Welcome to Hope Blooms, a podcast from the Early Pregnancy Loss Association. At EPLA, we seek to support women and families suffering early pregnancy loss by providing resources, education, and community. It is our vision that no one suffers miscarriage alone. Welcome back to Hope Blooms. I'm EPLA's president, Maria Servold. I'm Emily Carrington, EPLA's executive director. Today, Maria will share her miscarriage story and how that loss drove her desire to help other women through the EPLA. As we discussed when I shared my loss stories, Maria and I met in 2014. We began working together to create EPLA and have served on its board since its incorporation in 2016. Maria has served as recording secretary and recently has taken over now as president. Maria, why don't you tell me a little bit about the loss you suffered? Thank you. Yes, my loss um, happened in the fall of 2012. Um, It was my first pregnancy. We had been trying for a while, so we were very excited to conceive. And I didn't have many early pregnancy symptoms, um, sort of different than what you had said you had mentioned. Um, But I thought, hey, that could be normal. You know, I didn't know what was normal because it was my first time. And then at um, about nine weeks, one day, I just out of nowhere, one evening, just started bleeding heavily. Um, I had gotten out of the shower, and it just was like all of a sudden, um, which was quite scary. Um, I did, you know, I knew, I guess, that it was a miscarriage, but I didn't know how they worked, or you know, if I was dying, you know, I didn't know anything. So I remember shouting for my husband, and he came in, and we went to the local emergency room, not knowing really what else to do. And so we spent some time in the ER, um, which was not a great experience. And um, I don't blame, you know, individual people necessarily, but um, the, you know, the doctor who, well, first I had to wait for quite a while in the waiting room, which, you know, I understand there are probably people with more immediate needs, but um, that was rather uncomfortable. And I, I, the whole time I remember feeling like, why isn't everyone moving quickly to try to save my baby. You know, I think at the time I thought they could, maybe they could do something to save it. Right. And that we were just wasting time. I think probably, obviously that wasn't the case, but, um, that was how I felt at the time. So then once we were in, um, one of the little ER bays, um, a doctor came and did an ultrasound and things and confirmed that yes, I was miscarrying. And I, I remember feeling sort of like, it was just part of his routine, you know, to, to do all these things, to do all these checks and things. And it's like, yep, okay, here's what's happening. Thanks, bye. And so I remember sort of feeling like, doesn't anyone care about this loss that I'm suffering? And, you know, lots of bleeding when I was there. I kept having to, like, go down to the bathroom at the end of the ER hallway. And sort of similar to what you had talked about with, with you know, not knowing if I, the baby itself had passed or not. Um, and so we never were able to recover the body. Um, I didn't even really think, you know, I remember thinking, is that a thing you could do? I don't know. Did it happen at home? Did it happen here? I don't know. Um, so that was a challenge. Um, so at the end of being there for a few hours, they sent us home and said, you know, if the bleeding is however much, you know, this heavy, you should come back. And so we went home sort of thinking it was over. And so some days went by, um, I did end up going back to work. Um, this was in the fall of 2012. And so I think 10 days went by. And then when I was at work one day, out of nowhere, start gushing blood again while I'm at work, which was uncomfortable. 
So it was the middle of the workday. My husband was at work as well. So I called him and I drove myself to the emergency room because I knew things were not good. Um, and so then that time I actually did have um, some some better care. Actually, the nurse who came and helped that time when I was um, in the ER bay that day was pregnant herself. And she said very sweetly to me, she said, if you would rather, I can find someone else to take care of you because I don't want this to be difficult given my situation. And I thought that was super nice. I said, no, it's perfectly fine. You can take care of me. But I really appreciated her awareness. Um, so then my OBGYN said, it's time to do a DNC. So we they did it then and there that day. So that was, you know, the whole thing was difficult in that I didn't really know what was going on a lot of the time. I didn't get great information. I didn't realize that like, 10 days could go by and I could start having severe bleeding again and would then need the surgical procedure. After that, I did, you know, feel better, you know, a few days later, spent some days on the couch and that kind of thing. I also, you know, didn't because we hadn't really told anybody yet because it was so early. So my family knew what happened, but I remember telling my boss what had occurred. And he, I said, just tell people I have a cold or tell people I have the flu because I teach college students. I didn't really want them knowing. (laughs) So I, which I think now I, I would feel differently about that given the work we've done. But at the time I said, just tell them I have the flu, but which is a thing we have, you know, we now, I think, try to advocate for women that if they're comfortable to feel free to share that this has happened, it's not something to be ashamed of. So it was a difficult event. Um, then it took us another year, more than another year to conceive my now seven and a half year old. And since then, I've had three live births. But the fact that my very first pregnancy ended that way was kind of traumatic. And I've always been, then been very nervous for the first trimester. <laughs> Um, for the rest of the pregnancies after that. You mentioned that this the bleeding started at nine weeks. Had you already established care with your OBGYN? Had you had any early scans? Um, or was this sort of your first medical experience with pregnancy? Yeah, I had been in, I think, once before that to the OBGYN. Um, it's also, it was so long ago, but we had gone in once and I believe we did do an ultrasound and I think we did get a heartbeat. Um, and it was probably about eight weeks. I remember it was not much time between that visit and then when the loss happened. And I remember it was hard for her to find a heartbeat, but I think she did, you know, and I, I, maybe she was like, she might have said it looked, you know, the gestational age was maybe not what it should be sort of a thing. Um, but yeah, I think I had one visit. So then I knew, you know, to call her office and things once it was all going down, but it, you know, at nighttime when it first started, we just went right to the ER. Right. Did you feel like your aftercare then with the OBGYN, um, was clear and helped clarify? Can you tell me a little bit more about your experience moving forward Mm then? Um, I think it was okay. She wasn't, um, my favorite OBGYN I've worked with. Um, once she came in to do the DNC, she was very understanding. Um, and that, I think that encounter went well. She explained what would happen, you know, what I would feel like afterward, that all went fine. Um, after that, she did, we did talk about what, you know, what kind of things I could do, you know, to, you know, what, what we could be on the lookout for again in the future. Um, then once I did conceive the, my now seven and a half year old, um, she was sure to do an early ultrasound, see how things are going like as early as we could sort of to just keep an eye on it, which I appreciated. Right. Right. What was the hardest part of the whole experience? Mm-hmm. 
I think for me, the, the biggest, the hardest part, um, I mean, emotionally, obviously just that feeling of sort of, cause you know, I couldn't control anything, right. This feeling of like loss and, and not being able to do anything to fix it. Um, but almost even more than that at times, I think was the lack of information, um, which was one of the major factors when, you know, you wanted to, we did that focus group. My big point was like, I didn't know what was happening to me. Right. And, and that was sort of the biggest, my biggest concern. Like, can we at least have a pamphlet that we, which we do now, um, a brochure that we give people that explains what's happening and what they can expect because, it was like how, you know, as we say, we don't want to go to right to Google because <laughs> that can be scary. What, how can we help women know what's going on in a way that's understandable, but not frightening. Um, and so for me, that was sort of the biggest struggle was why did this happen? What was happening? What can I do? Right. Right. And, and we've talked, we both talked about sort of that experience and, and that time, how, have you come to sort of understand your miscarriage now 10 years later? And what are your feelings Mm -hmm. um, now about 10 years later? Right. I think the biggest change for me sort of with all the time that's passed and now with this organization is that um, I shouldn't have, although, you know, I didn't really know better, but I wish I had told more people that I was pregnant so that I'd have more of a community to support me later. Right. And that's, you know, whenever, someone we know now tells us early that they're expecting. I'm like, thank you for telling me this way, you know, we can pray for you and be there for you if anything were to happen, you know? Um, and I, so I think that was sort of has been the biggest thing that I, I don't need to feel ashamed about it. You know, I didn't tell anyone that it had happened to me for years, um, probably until you came around. <laughs> um, and so I'm grateful for that. But for years, it was just like this secret that I had this thing that had happened to me, you know, as if it was somehow shameful which it's not. And then, you know, it's, it's amazing once you share that that has happened, how many other women say, oh, me too. Right. 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 And that sort of leads into, you know, what made you interested in EPLA? Mm -hmm. What was it that, that got you going that we've got to do this? Right. I think, um, yeah, really, again, it was the, I don't want anyone else to have to go through the like no information in the ER thing. Right. That was sort of my big my big thing. I don't want anyone to have to go to the ER and not have any clue what's happening to them and have a doctor who seems, you know, couldn't be bothered. The the doctor who helped me in the ER, um, I'm sure, you know, he was at the end of a long shift or something, but at one point while he was talking to me, he had this big yawn, like he was just so bored. (laughs) And I'm sure he wasn't, I'm sure he was just tired, but I remember feeling like I'm losing my child and you're yawning at me. And so for me, it was, you know, this, is there a way that I can help women know what to expect and know what's happening to them. And sort of additionally, your idea about the bill pay thing, because I had the same thing. I had all these big hospital bills from the ER and from the DNC and stuff. And, you know, it felt like it felt almost like being kicked while you're down, right? Like I've already had this loss and now I have to pay for it financially. So those were two of the big drivers. And then once we had that focus meeting and sort of got off the ground, it was just, you know, there are so many ways we could help. Right. And well, and, and what else you've had your own loss. And then a few years later we started this and now we're six years into, uh, into being an organization and serving women. What has encouraged you over the last 10 years, Mm -hmm. um, in the loss community and the discourse on miscarriage and loss? Yeah. 
And that's something we've seen actually a big shift in um, over those years. I think when we started, you know, you had published um, or have published over the years various pieces online talking about miscarriage, and it was almost like, here's just one lady talking about it, right? Um, and now not only does it seem like more people are talking about it, but you see celebrities more sharing that this has happened to them. And so it's just become more talked about. And I think we've been, you know, at least a small part of that, or at least, you know, f- promoting when people do talk about it as, as, a, as a good thing. Other things that I think stand out to me that have been very beneficial, we did um, some years ago, a, a panel discussion at the local hospital with workers from the birth center and from the ER. And um, I and some other women who had um, had unfortunate hospital experiences, various places, um, shared our stories. And that I, I remember a lot of the the doctors in the audience there were sort of shaking their heads, like I can't believe this is what happened. And you know, and so that I think had a big, hopefully, a, an impact on them to see this is a need. You know, this we don't want this to happen to women in a way that they don't feel cared for. And I think that was helpful. I also think when we went to the the PLIDA conference, the perinatal loss conference, we met a lot of nurses and doctors who were inspired by our kits that we have put together. And um, we were happy to say, replicate these kits, you know, come up with your own way to do this around the country so that more women can be supported. And I hope that's happened. Yes. And we've talked over the last two podcasts a bit about our miscarriage kits. Can we take some time to sort of explain uh, what we what we have? We've talked a lot about um, you know how we got to where we are and what sort of inspired this, and but we keep referencing these mm-hmm. care kits and we keep referencing our services. Could you talk a little bit about what um, the Early Pregnancy Loss Association offers for women experiencing loss? Yes, um, this I think has been our biggest. Our, our biggest goal that we've met so far. Um, we provide two physical kits to women. Anyone who wants one can get one for free. Um, they can request them through our website or through Facebook or through a friend who knows us. Um, we will mail them or anywhere in the country. Um, so we have two sizes. One is a small kit, for, which is designed for um, someone who most likely has already had a DNC. It has a few sanitary items, but mainly comfort items, um, a small blanket, um, a journal and pen, tea, and lots of information and s- sort of supportive information in there. And those are the ones we've given. We tend to give out more than 500 a year. We also have a large miscarriage care kit, which has um, is designed for a woman who's planning to miscarry at home. Um, so it has um, lots of sanitary items, including things like the Chuck's bed pads. It has gloves. It has hot and cold packs. Things that, you know, you may not think you would need, but you'll need. Um, and so then you're, you're prepared for it. It also has a, a body retrieval kit that we um, contract with a group called Heaven's Gain Ministries that they put together this wonderful kit to help um, retrieve and preserve um, a baby's body. And so that one is designed, again, for someone who's, who, again, has had a missed miscarriage and is expecting to miscarry at home. And those we, um, it, it's a little harder to get those into hands when they need them because you, you kind of have to know right away that someone's going to need it. But we have been able to provide those. And so I think those kits have been, I mean, it's a tangible thing, right? We can give women something real. And that's been a really good effort that we've put together. Right. And how has your own experience as we've developed these educational resources and um, and the care kits and have learned more. And uh, as we've talked to many other women, um, how has your own experience being involved 
informed and help you understand your own loss. Mm -hmm. I think it has helped me sort of process it emotionally, um, knowing that other women have gone through it and being able to sort of pay it forward as it were. Right. I didn't have those resources when I had my loss, but that's okay because now we can give them to other women. Um, it's also been, I think, emotionally helpful to, um, write for our blog about it, to do things like this, to do the panel discussion. Like I talked about, you know, cause talking through it is helpful and being able to tell another woman I've been through this as well, you know, is healing, I think for both of us. So it has been, you know, while I'm still sad to think about it, obviously, um, I don't think I will never not be, it does feel almost more like there's a purpose for it in, in being able to help other women through our organization. That's great. Well, thank you very much, Maria, for sharing your story. And thank you for your continued service to the organization. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hope Blooms, a podcast from the Early Pregnancy Loss Association. To learn more about how we and you can support women suffering early pregnancy loss, visit our website at miscarriagecare.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for listening.